This is the word of the week. HC3. Hi, I'm Pastor Bernard Plume, and in this word of the week, I'll be talking about counterfeit construction, or how do we live in a post-Christian society? Now, this was recorded live at our Sunday service on the 13th of October, 2019. Now, while you're listening to the message, you might like to download the slides to go with it as a visual aid. And you can get them by going to www.hc3church.co.uk forward slash go forward slash towers. I hope you enjoy this live talk. God bless you. Preaching without notes today, I thought I'd give that one a whirl, you know. So, this is something that every preacher goes through, and I've got to remember to sort of forward the laptop and do this at the same time. Do you ever come and you listen to something that I say, or Stephen says, or any speaker for that matter, and you say, What has this all got to do with me? Hands up if that's true. Oh, praise God, that's really encouraging. <laughs> the vast majority have no idea what it's got to do with them. What a great job we've done. <laughs> Well, I hope to change that today. I'm going to speak on a subject which you might listen, you might say, oh, that's too far-fetched, Bernard. It's too mystical. But I want to kind of prove to you through the Bible and through what is happening in society today that what I'm about to tell you has got something to do with every one of us. You can be an old pensioner like me. You can be a younger person. You can be in the middle. Wherever you are, this word will be applicable to you. So, all being well, this is what we're going to look at today. <clears throat> Counterfeit construction, or for those of you who know your Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. Anybody read that? It's a great book. We're going to be looking at Babylon and Jerusalem. Now, the story from the Tower of Babel isn't just a story or a Hebrew myth. It's an actual event that happened in history. And so here we have these people in this place, on the plain of Shinar, building this tower, if you like, and there was a reason why they were building the tower. If you look at the slide, it tells us that it's presently located, or the remains are located in Iraq. It's about 97 kilometers southwest of present-day Baghdad, but then it wasn't called that at all. But that gives you a fix on where this place was. So what we've got is two forms of construction going on. One is real, one is counterfeit, the unreal one is the Tower of Babylon. I'm going to unpack that for you in a moment. The other one is what Jesus is doing in our lives where he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm not patronizing you here, but I want to make this as simple as I can. In the Bible, Babylon and Jerusalem are very real places. They're cities with a leadership. They're cities with a population. They're cities with an actual geographical location. But here comes a bit where you could say, what's this got to do with me and where I live, Bernard? They can also be a metaphor or a symbol of a God-rejecting or a God-respecting system. I'm going to show you these two things happening in our society today. They've got all sorts of expressions and outworkings. So what we've got there is two things being built with two opposite motivations. What you've got in the Tower of Babel, and it's happening in other ways which I'm going to reveal in a moment, these people get together and they say, come, let us build ourselves. In other words, we are going to do this. We're going to build a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we will make a name for ourselves. 
In other words, we're going to stay in this place, we're going to form our own society, and we are going to decide what that actually looks like. Now, can you remember that God had said, go out and replenish and fill the earth? So what was happening here is a direct act of rebellion against God's commands. We are going to build, and we are going to do this. And in a moment, you're going to see a society that's trying to build itself in a way which is not according to what God wants. What we've got God saying in Genesis 1.26 is this, let us, so you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit saying, let's make humankind in our image, in our likeness. Let's move this on a little bit. Let me break it down even further for you. God creates the human race, and the human race is going to find its total and its absolute fulfillment through a worshipful relationship with himself. Do you agree with that? Or are you prepared to begin to think in that direction? This is where the hope is for the whole of humanity. But man, that is the human race, is constantly and consistently rebelling against that, and we're ever building towers of rebellious, self-elevating philosophies. Can you follow that? Lots of towers being built. Now, every generation builds its own towers, yes? Do you recognise the one on the left? I wonder who that belongs to. Any ideas? Could it be the Trumpster? I think so. Um, and I'm not casting any political statement like you decide for yourselves where you sit with that one. But there's a tower, and it's a tower, and it's very clear who that tower is dedicated to. Agreed? Now, on the other side, we've got is now called the Willis Tower in Chicago, but it was the Sears Tower, and that was a, a massive organisation in America. So this lady here with the lovely name of Naomi Rosenblatt, and she's a psychotherapist, she says... Every generation builds its own towers. So this is always going to be happening in society. So if it's always going to be happening, you and I as Christians need to know how do we respond to these two opposite sides of construction that are continuously going on and which of the two are we going to align ourselves with? Working with Bernard? Yep, okay. Don't forget it'll all be uploaded so you won't have any problems. So what we've got here is the Tower of Babel and the Tower of Babylon. Their efforts and God's response. You could initially look at that and say, well, God was cruel and God was vindictive and God felt threatened. No, it wasn't that. God was seeing that the only real hope for humankind was through a relationship with himself. So he therefore had to intervene and stop anything that would see mankind going down a chaotic pathway. But still we continue to do it. So what you've got when you think of Babylon, it represents the efforts of the human race to enthrone itself as its own God. Isn't that true? Uh, nowadays we have a thing called pluralism, which is whatever you like, whatever you want to be, whatever religion you do or don't want to follow, it's all fine with us. And what that does is throws off that way that God is dedicating the human race towards. Now, listen to this next bit. Revelation 17 describes Babylon. When it's describing Babylon, it's not describing a place. It's describing a system. What is it describing? Let's try again. What is it describing? Right, so there's a system in place. And this is what the Bible says Babylon will be like. It'll be attractive. It'll be alluring. It'll be seductive, it'll be all persuasive and, sorry, all pervasive and persuasive with great influence. It's impressive with a strong hold on culture and society. 
Now, I haven't got time this morning to go into everything, but I want to give you three simple practical things that you can walk away with. So what we've got is a real construction and a counterfeit construction, a good system and a bad system, but the bad system is very attractive and alluring. So what are some of the challenges that we face as Christians? What should be our responses? What should our main focus be so that we're not always chasing the wrong kind of the thing? Here are some examples. Now, I just want to look at one thing this morning. Let me go back on that because this gets a little bit um, thing. What should be our challenges? Well, here are some of the challenges that we face. Human sexuality. When did you last get a message in church on sex, eh? Well, you're going to get one this morning. (laughs) Human sexuality. Don't we live in interesting times? Do you ever think it's so complex and so difficult that you just want it all to wash over you? Anybody feel like that? Do you ever think, I can't really understand what they're going on. Where on earth does that come from? All seems very, very confusing. In Matthew 19, 4, Jesus gives us a very simple foundational statement. He said, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. Remember, he's answering a question. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Now, Don't think any of these statements are harsh or horrible, they're not. But we've now moved into an era of self-determination regarding gender identity. The term non-binary has become commonplace. All these words we didn't know just a little while ago, they're now very familiar to us. And they and them are the personal pronouns that are insisted on. Um, One of the recent proponents of this is Sam Smith, who's a superb singer. But Sam now needs to be a they and a them. We've got drag queens who are reading stories on gender fluidity to young children, rubbing it up in symbolisms of mermaids and unicorns. And we've got parents bringing children up as gender neutral. Now, I've only brought a few headlines out. That's only a little broad brushstroke. There's lots more that's actually behind that. So we've got all this going on, and you say, well, what should the Christian's response be then? How do we deal with this kind of stuff? Well, what else have we got? Well, we've got relationships. The State Education Act of 2020, don't give me politics, Bernard, but this is real stuff because this will have mandatory implications for what is actually taught in school. We've got an organisation called Mermaids that's teaching the teachers this is the material that you will actually teach as mandatory. Do you see that? So that's what's going into the children. Now, if you have a different opinion then you are actually shut down because you're being branded as either phobic, divisive, or bigoted. But here's the worst thing, without any right of appeal. So on one side, you have something saying, don't label. On another side, you have something, we are going to label you as phobic and divisive and bigoted, and you can't even respond to that. Then we've got the offering of puberty-blocking drugs to 12-year-olds. Our middle granddaughter, how old is Sophia now, darling? She's nearly 10, so that's keen to us. And it's all peddled. And remember what I said about Babylon being all persuasive, all alluring, all seductive? It's all under the mantra of, well, we're in a different generation now. We don't want to live with our old fogey stuff, do we, after all? What we've got is a welcome and an inclusive and an evolving society. Interesting. Now, can you see what's happening? Because what we've got is Babylon as an undercurrent, and it's saying, let us make man in our image. It's been hijacked by this new Tower of Babel, and it's constructed very blatantly, and what it is saying is, you will bow down to me as a god. You will bow down to this system. Now, it's 
very deceptive because it masquerades as compassion. And goodness knows there's a whole bunch of mixed up people out in the world that are worthy of love and compassion, yes? So this is not a criticism or a harsh statement, but behind some of that cunningness is this stuff where it masquerades as compassion and care, but really the opposite because it rages against a God-given order. Do you see that? And it's no longer, how can I put it, it's, it's an open fight now. There's no, no thing about it. So how am I going to deal with this? What should be our responses? I want to give you some practical stuff. First of all, I think we should engage it was very interesting, and I'm going to jump onto another hot topic now, to see that this week, both the Brexiteers and the Remainers, and everything in between, had a very positive and a welcoming meeting in the Athenaeum in Berries and Edmonds, and engaged as adults. Wasn't that nice? Instead of just name-calling. So I would encourage you, going back to this sexuality thing, we've got a dialogue, we've got to discuss, we've got a debate, but it's no longer enough to just say, well, the Bible says... Because those you're engaging with don't see that as any platform for rational discussion. Do you see that? And you say, well, how can I deal with this? It's way above my head. Well, friends, do a little bit of research. I'll put some organisations up there that will help you. Christian Concern, the Bible Society, the Christian Institute, the Wilberforce Academy. All these are great resources because they don't just say the Bible says they quote the Bible, but they present intelligent, reasoned responses to complex and challenging issues. They're written by professors and doctors and other people who are experts in their field. I encourage you to read some of the material. It will blow your socks off. Then you can do direct action. I know the whole subject of abortion is a very hot topic, so I'm treading very carefully here. But 20,000 pro-life supporters stood in a silent candlelight protest at the Stormout Assembly. You may or you may not feel called to do that kind of thing. Lobby your MP. Normally you only approach your MP on a basis of nimbyism, you know what I mean? Well, I've got a dreadful neighbour, or they're not cleaning up the roads, or they're not doing. Let your MP, whatever your own particular political coloration, let them know that you care for them. Let them know that you are praying for them. They have an extremely difficult job. So don't come with this cynical approach. Let them know that you love them, irrespective of your personal politics. I encourage you to do that. We used to do that with our local councillors here. And lastly, involve yourself. Now you need wisdom from God because. Everybody is looking for a volunteer. Yes, we look for volunteers in the church. You need to ask God what you involve yourself in. But if you truly believe that the church is salt and light, yes, then you need to get the salt and the light in the cook pot. Get it in there, in the mix. So be involved with committees and groups. And this is the key thing. Be known more for what you are for, not just against. Yes? Christians are often known as what they're Get known what you are for and seek as far as you are able, and I pray it's not too late to change society and to make a difference. Let's look at our next one. With all of this happening, lots of people could put pressure on you and say, church, you should be doing this. Individual, you should be involved with that. No, listen to what God is saying to you by the Holy Spirit. When you get that clear, you will know what you should be, your main focus should be. And I would suggest this, in a culture that elevates its selfish towers, we need to humble ourselves to the cross, yes? Jesus came as a servant. This must be our prime focus. How may I be a servant to Jesus in order to make society better? Secondly, concentrate on building your personal relationship with Jesus, Philippians 3.10, because it's no good just saying, well, I believe what so-and-so believes. You've got to know for yourself, yes? 
And you'll know that, even though you may not be able to articulate it brilliantly, in your heart you'll know you're doing what the Lord wants you to do if you've got a strong relationship with Jesus. Number three, pray without ceasing, especially for authorities. I've been grieved in my spirit recently as we've gone through and are still going through the whole Brexit thing of the absolute horrible character assassination and personal insults that are flying out from all sides of the debate. It's dreadful, isn't it? It's it's not the mark of being an adult, in my opinion. And so I'm praying for these authorities. Do I understand it all? No, I don't. But I'm praying for the wisdom that we will be directed aright and that God's will will be done. Number four, you can evangelize with confidence. Mark 16, 15, Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, yes? It's getting harder to proclaim it. It's, being, it's having a whole new thing, warped view put on it by the world that, that it is all these things. It's not. The gospel is pure and unadulterated love 110%, yes? And I am thrilled to say I'm a Christian and I'm thrilled to say I stand behind what God says in his word and you're not going to shift me. We may need to discuss, we may need to talk as to why we hold a certain opinion. We may need to debate and look at the scriptures together. But this I know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We need to function in the power of the Holy Spirit, Mark 16, 20. And yes, clever clogs, I know it's not in some manuscripts. But friends, we need a church that is acting in signs and wonders and power if ever it's going to break the back of the powers of darkness. Yes, what else have we got there? We need to do all the good. Yes, thank you for that reminder constantly, Stephen. We need it. Do make every effort to do good wherever you are. At the present moment, we're preparing a funeral for our late neighbour across the road. And some of the lovely things they've said to us about what good neighbours we've been. Now, I'm not saying that to get a brownie point, but I never realised the impact that we'd had on them just by doing everyday things. Thank God we can do good to all people. And lastly, have confidence that God's great plan will ultimately triumph. This message today is not to depress you. It's not to impress you. It's not to get you down. We are on the winning side, folks. Yes, we are on the winning side. So hold true to it. Let's have a look at this next bit, shall we? George Orwell. Anybody read 1984? He was an interesting fellow, wasn't he? Said a lot of clever things, but I want to just give you a couple of quotes. He said this, and they're still true today. Political language is designed to make lies sound truthful. Oh boy, that's a big one in the nose, isn't it? And murder respectable. That's another big one, isn't it? And to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. And all these philosophies and all this constructing of the Tower of Babel and Babylon and all that stuff that's coming from hell itself, it gives the impression of being a lovely solid foundation. But a day is coming when it will be consumed, yes? Solidity is not really there, no matter how persuasive it sounds. And this last one, what a powerful quote. The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. There was a time when Christians were tolerated. We've entered into an era now where you could well be hated for what you believe. There's been a real shift. So do you remember what I said at the beginning? Bernard, what has all this stuff got to do with me? Well, it's everything to do with every one of us because one day the counterfeit Babylon, the system, the structure with all its different plants and outworkings and things that must be done and society must function in this way, it will collapse because New Jerusalem's coming down. 
And you and I are part of that. There's a lot of statistics you don't get. You don't get big statistics on those who've had gender realignment uh, operations and are now seeking to reverse it. And I speak as somebody who's got someone in that position in our own family. So I'm not just speaking academically, I'm speaking from personal knowledge. You see that? And so I'm looking and I'm saying, that's just one little facet that doesn't hit the headlines. When you read some of it, you think it was all in a certain direction. So here's my sermon in a sentence for you today. And I know it's a slightly unusual message, and I said some interesting things. What I've tried to do is practically show you what is out there and the way society is headed. I've tried to show you two different systems that are operating and will continue to operate till the end of time. I've tried to show you responses practically that you might need to make. I've tried to show you what your Bible belief should be in and where you stand. And I've tried to show you that one day, everything that opposes you and the Christian faith will come to nothing, and you'll be so glad that you said, I'm with Jesus. Because on that day when he comes out of the clouds, and every eye will see him, and every arrogant voice and every proud system and every tower that man has ever elevated will fall to the ground and it will bow and it will have to say, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm so glad that's the tower I'm following. Let's build together, shall we, for the only kingdom that will last. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I come to you and we come to you this morning and we are facing challenging times. And we just want to reach out to society, not criticising, not judging, not pulling down, but to say we love you. But there is a better way. And the better way is in knowing and following Jesus. And so we pray you'll fill this church with your love and your compassion and the insight and wisdom of your Holy Spirit as we deal with the days ahead. We pray for our families, Lord, our children our grandchildren. We pray for the educational system. We pray for those who work in professional circles. We pray for doctors and nurses and politicians and all those who are required to give an answer on deep, challenging ethical issues. And we pray if they are Christians today that you'll bless them and you'll give them courage. And we pray if they're not, you'll bring them to a point where they can see that it's God himself who said, let us make man in our image, not man creating his own image. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. This episode was recorded live at our weekly service on the 13th of October, 2019. If you enjoyed this word of the week, be sure to check out our other episodes by searching for HC3 Word of the Week in your podcast app. More will be uploaded next week. Alternatively, you can visit anchor.fm forward slash hc3church. If you'd like to join us in worshipping God, you can visit our website at hc3church.co.uk for more details. And of course, if you have any feedback about this episode or any other, we'd love to hear it. You can tweet us at hc3church. God bless.